punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello, and Happy New Year. I believe this is actually the first Ness and Bruins podcast we've had in 2021, and in the spirit of shaking things up and turning the page, if you will, I am joined for the first time ever by Nesson.com's Lauren Campbell. Lauren, how's it going? It's going. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. Um, I guess a bit of an explanation is necessary for the loyal listeners that we do have. While I've always fancied Mike Cole as the daddy of this podcast, if you will, uh, he has become a real daddy in life. Um, He is on paternity leave because he had a son, Teddy, on New Year's Day, so almost a week old. So for the foreseeable future, it's going to be you and me. I'll be in Mike's hosting chair, which is just in the little dining area of where I am right now. And you'll be, where are you? I'm in my bedroom right now. Okay, Lauren's in her bedroom. So we'll we'll proceed right along. Um, So Bruins training camp, let's see, started, today's the 7th, started the 4th, which is Monday. Um... Not a whole lot in the way of surprises. Before we start tackling some storylines, we have some news that's at this point about four or five hours old, and this is going to floor everybody, but Patrice Bergeron is the next Bruins captain, uh, replacing, obviously, Zdeno Chara. Um, I don't really know what to say about it, so I'm just going to defer to you, Lauren. What are your thoughts on them making uh, Zdeno Chara the captain? Or, geez, Patrice Bergeron the captain. That's going to take a second to get used to. (laughs) Um, uh, I think – Obviously, we all knew it was coming. We've known it's been coming for years. Um, Obviously, people are always like, oh, Bergeron's in line to be the next captain. So it finally happened. It's finally official, so everyone can stop being like, when are they going to announce it? It's here. He's the captain now. And obviously, it's the worst-kept secret. Yeah, it's a little earlier than I thought it would be, because if I remember correctly, when – the Blue the Blue Jackets, the Maple Leafs were making John Tavares the captain. They announced that like hours before they had the pregame ceremonies. And I think the Canucks did the same thing with Bo Horvat. So the Bruins, Don Sweeney said they were going to give it time to breathe, but it's only been eight days, which in my opinion is an appropriate amount of time. But I was curious to see if it was going to be like January 13th or 14th, and that was when we'd finally find out. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like – either day of their first game or the day before. Um, I wasn't expecting it this early, but it's a welcome, it's a, it's a welcome gift. <laughs> yeah, get it out of the way. Well, and I will say this too, that there was a corner of the fan base that I think if Zdeno Chara came back, they wanted to see not only him in a different role, but maybe cede the captainship to Patrice Bergeron, which was never happening if Zdeno Chara was still here. I'm glad it never got to that impasse. I, I guess that's probably the the good byproduct of Zidane Chara leaving is we don't have to run into that situation. But, yeah, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say. I mean, Patrice Bergeron's the commensurate pro. He's hard to believe he's been around since 2003. Mm-hmm. I was nine years old, which is upsetting. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's exciting. It looks natural on yeah, it does. And I think there's going to be like no issues. Like, no, it's going to be an easy transition. And he's obviously respected in that locker room. So it's not going to be, I don't foresee any problems. No, no, not at all. Um, so while we're on the topic of Bruins veterans, 
you know, we've heard from Tuka Rask the last, let's see, yesterday. We heard from David Krejci today. Both, not only seasoned Bruins veterans, but pending free agents for the first time in, let's see, for Rask, it's eight years, right? 2013, he signed his extension. Then Krejci's on, a, I believe it's a seven-year deal that's wrapping up. Both have a lot of, a lot of miles on the tires. Um, David Krejci's insistent that he wants to play. Uh, Tuka Rask basically is taking the Tom Brady approach of I'll play until I suck. Um, and so, you know, the, I think there's a little bit of runway left for both of those guys, um, which both said over the last two days, no contract talks with the Bruins so far, not entirely surprising uh, given their cap situation. And they're going to be a wash with cap space in the summer, just by virtue of both of their contracts coming up. So, do you think it's worth it for the Bruins to at least pursue the idea of trying to get Rask or Krejci signed to extensions before the season is up in season extensions? Yeah, I think so. Um, especially where you don't know really what you have uh, goalie depth wise. Um, you know what you're getting with Rask, you know what you're getting with Halak. So until they really have somebody cemented in that, whether it's somebody in the system now or somebody out there on a different team, I think it's definitely worth it to bring back Rask, even if it's on a year-to-year basis. And same thing with Crazy, Crazy. If it's a year or two or just a year-to-year contract, I think it's absolutely worth it. He's been such a staple to this team. He's really held down that second line and really without a right wing for so long. And so I think it's certainly worth bringing both of them back on an extension. And obviously they both express that they want to be here. So I think it makes I think it makes sense for both sides. Here's my working theory because I've only thought about this for like I don't know. Krejci spoke about an hour ago, which was when I first thought of this. So this is a very raw theory, but I think at least in the instance of Rask, we'll see how the first couple months go with the young defenseman because part of my idea on why they let Zidane Chara walk and why they're going with this youth movement on the back end now is because they are going to have, it's like 32 million in cap space uh, next summer. And if they need to go out and sign an impact defenseman, they need to know that now. They need to know that before they tie up cap space elsewhere, before they get Rask to another deal before they get Krejci to another deal like if if their prospects don't look like they're going to work out the way they need them to like they're going to have to go outside the organization so I think if we get a month or two into the season and it's like okay Jacob Zaboro looks like he's a bona fide NHL player Euro Vakaninen or you know Jeremy Lozon take your pick I think we might see them start to you know, mess around with the extensions a little bit, knowing that they won't necessarily have to go and make a big splash in the off season. That said, I have no clue what the market would be for either player. Cause like a David Krejci is not going to get over 7 million again. Like he's, st- he's still a good player, but I don't know if David Krejci thinks he has a lot left in him. I mean, you can get him on a two, three-year deal. I have no clue what the value would be for that. And I have no clue what the value would be for Rask either, who's on the record saying he wants to stay with the Bruins. He probably won't make $7 million again. But then again, you look at – he just was a Vezina finalist. And you look at what goalies are getting now. So it's like, well, what's the market for Tuka Rask going to be? Yeah, there's a lot of questions. And, you know, then you have other prospects. And is it going to be worth – going like? 
extending these players who are a little older, they're probably a little past their prime, but if they want to be here and you know what you're getting with them, like it, I just, I feel like it's a no brainer, especially yeah. if it's easy, like a lower contract money wise. Um, but I don't, I just don't see an instance of the Bruins not bringing either of them back. Um, but even in market value, it's who knows what it could be. I mean, it could skyrocket. It could completely plummet. Like yeah. there's really no telling what the market will be come next season. Well, and to your point about the one-year deal, I for Rask at least, I wonder if he would be amenable to doing kind of the Chara plan because it's not like the Bruins don't have goalie prospects. Like, right. you know, if not for either Tuka Rask or uh, Yaro Halak, like Dan Vladar would probably be in the NHL right now. Jeremy Swayman's probably their highest ceiling goalie prospect. And, I mean, Kyle Kaiser, he had, I think it was concussion issues last year, which kind of threw his first pro season off. But I think, like, he, by many, like, I guess prognosticators, think that Kaiser's ceiling might be a little bit higher than Swayman. I, I could be wrong on that. But, yeah, it's it's a weird spot where you don't want to have to start trading away prospects the the Jimmy Garoppolo Tom Brady thing to kind of go outside of football a little or outside of hockey a little bit um I don't know they it, it's a precarious spot but any final thoughts before we transition over to training camp no I think that I think we uh hit it pretty good there okay we'll we'll revisit uh rumors later on but uh, in the interim, so looks like Brad Marchand will be healthy in time for the start of the season. He might be in a situation where he's not playing on back-to-backs, but his intent is to try and play on opening night, which with David Pasternak out until likely at least February, uh, that only leaves one spot to fill on the top line, which so far has been Jack Stadnico, which I – I don't think that's really surprising. In my opinion, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the the path to guys like Stanika and Trent Frederick right now getting playing time in the NHL is going to be on the wings. Um, you know, if, if your goal for Stanika is for him to be a, a full-fledged NHL center one day, then probably not a bad idea to have him riding shotgun with Patrice Bergeron. What say you? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think it makes the most sense to put him there, um, especially in Pasternak's absence. And and being able to be with Marshan and Bergeron, you're going to see what he can really bring and where his skills really lie and what will be highlighted, what will be kind of like, oh, this is where he needs to improve. Um, so I think it's smart. I think people, especially Bruins fans, have been high on this kid for a long time, and now they're just kind of like, let's get him in here. I know I think last year people were just calling for him constantly just like to be in the lineup, right. <laughs> like, put him in the playoffs. Okay. Just let's get crazy. And I think they're going to get, you know, they're going to get what they asked for. Um, but I think it makes the most sense for now. And we've seen it so many times. Bruce Cassidy will shake up the lines if he has to, if he doesn't feel that Stanika belongs there, he'll put him right back down in second, third, fourth, like he'll make him fit somewhere. So I think it's a good start. And I mean, it's going to, it's kind of going to be a confidence builder for Stanika or he's like just thrown on the first line. Like I, I have to do, I have to do well. Yeah. It's a, it's a real baptism by fire thing. I, you might as well like it. I, Cause I don't know what the other options are because it, it doesn't make sense to mess around with the middle six all that much when you know that like, okay, you want the DeBrus, Krejci, Kasha second line, you know, you want Coyle and Smith to figure things out. Like I, 
I know a lot of people kind of kick around the idea of maybe putting Smith up there, which I do think to a degree makes sense in the short term. I don't think it's the most shrewd long-term move, um, but I don't know. You've got to start seeing what you have with some of these guys. He seems like a genuine playmaker. I don't know where exactly Stanika fits in the system since he's going to be playing with Bergeron and Marshawn, but you know, it, he's going to get tough matchups. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is being able to see how he responds to playing against some top lines. I mean, he's, when they play the Rangers, he's going to get the Zibanejad Panarin line, um, you know, go up and down. He's probably going to get the Ovechkin Nick Backstrom line. Like it's going to be tough. Um, but again, that's the only way to find out what you have in them. Right. Right. And especially going up against those kinds of lines with those established players and just those big bodies and they're fast and they can score. You know, if Stanika doesn't belong there, they're going to know pretty quick. Like, I think he'll be exposed quick if he doesn't belong there, if there's something there that needs to be changed or tweaked. So I think, I think we'll learn fast. I know I'm not going to cut him out the first game where I'm like, nope, done. Like, <laughs> knee jerk yeah. reaction. I yeah. am interested to see how much heavier he got. Because yeah. remember that when he made his debut against the Canadians, and I think it was on his first shift, he like went to the corner and just got pasted. Yep. And now I'm thinking about like, isn't Tom Wilson on the top line for the Capitals? Like I'm imagining Sonika just getting absolutely bodied by Tom Wilson, like <laughs> 30 seconds until whenever that first game is at the uh, end of January. But I guess speaking of bigger players, Nick Ritchie. So I have a feeling you're going to disagree with this. I kind of do too. So Nick Ritchie so far has been on the third line. He's been opposite Smith um, on the third line with Charlie Coyle. Is that the right spot for him? I always thought it was going to be fourth line. I think I know who you would prefer to be on the third line, but go ahead. I, I don't think it's the right spot. Part of me is like, where else do you put him? Because right. I just feel like you can, he's very interchangeable too, but I don't know. I just, I liked that third line. We saw Coyle, like, obviously Bjork. You know, right. <laughs> the that name was going to come up at some point. I thought they had really good chemistry. And if Bjork can have this full season and be healthy and be the player that they believe that he is, I don't see, like, why you would mess with that third line. I know Nick Ritchie's a big body. And you want that size throughout the lineup. I just don't know if that's where he goes and that just again it goes back to me saying like where else but where else does he go like where it's else is a problem in its own right <laughs> right exactly so I don't know I mean people already are, are out on him after last year so like it's I don't know I just I don't think it's the third line the only reason I can see it is because Craig Smith loves to shoot mm-hmm. and Charlie Coyle's great with the puck on his stick I guess I would rather, and the reality is Nick Ritchie is probably a better guy to put right at the front of the net than Anders Bjork. If those are your only two options right there, then I guess when you think of it that way, maybe Ritchie makes sense. But I, for me, my issue more is I don't think Bjork belongs on the fourth line. And yeah. Bruce Cassidy said yesterday that this was good for him my agenda but he likened him to Joakim Nordstrom and and I had never really looked at it that way but a good skater a guy who can get back on pucks if you need him to um and a solid enough defensive player like we saw last year Bjork's defensive game came around a lot but I think once Pasternak comes back that whole group is just going to be really matchup based like I have no clue 
who's going to go on the third line. Cause like if Stadnika plays well, maybe it's him, but then he's playing on his offside. And then like with the fourth line, you have all sorts of options because like, okay, you can do the like Nordstrom type thing with Bjork, or you could do the heavier style with Nick Ritchie or Trent Frederick. Um, but I think it's best for all parties if Richie just goes on the fourth line, because I think he'd be a good fourth liner. I, I don't think he's going to fix a longstanding issue on the third line. I think we saw enough from Bjork where, you know, just in terms of fit, and maybe this is a little too knuckle dragging, like hockey purist of me, but I, I feel like you probably want a heavier guy like Richie and on the fourth line and a finesse guy like Bjork on the third. Yeah, I think you'd want more size at the bottom of the lineup than the front because um, you have the speed up front. And obviously, like, Martian, Bjork, DeBrus, they're not huge bodies. But if you have that toward the back end, it's it makes more sense there, in my opinion, anyway. And, the, the, you know, Bjork is not afraid to get to the net. Like you said, his defensive game is came out a lot. I know in training camp today I saw a lot on Twitter that he was really just having a good camp, just kind of – going for the puck, not afraid to get in, into the zone or anything like that. And if he can actually find the back of the net this season, and, and like that changes the whole thing on that, if he goes on the third line. Right. Um, and then it's like, again, where is Richie and all this? And, or, do, or do they just float them between the third and fourth line? Like, they have options, but it's a, it comes down to do, someone's going to play on their offside. So there's going to be chemistry issues if you keep changing in and out, in right. and out. So, I don't know. It's, I just don't want Richie on the third line. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of, like, what the Corsi numbers would be if they put Bjork on that third line with Coyle and Smith. They would shoot the puck so much. It would just be, like, a firing squad every night. Uh, that, that graphic where they just make – where they shoot. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, all right. So, we'll dive into this a little more next week once we're – a little closer to the opener, but we are a week away. So ideal 12 man forward group next week against Jersey. What's yours? Uh, so I have obviously um, Marshan, yep. Bergeron, Stanika, mm-hmm. uh, Coyle, Wagner, Bjork, uh, six, right? Yeah. Um, Nick Ritchie, Craig Smith, uh, I said Chris Wagner. Kasha. Kasha. I knew I was missing someone. Jake DeBrus. Okay, wow. <laughs> Just like the whole second line there. Um, hmm. I think you forgot Krejci. Oh, David Krejci. Wow. Oh, and uh, Corrali. Corrali. So that's okay. That 12? That's twelve. There it is. Twelve. You got there. Um, yeah, I think the middle six is probably going to be what we expect it to yeah. be with uh, DeBrus, Krejci, Kasha, and. Probably Richie, um, Richie Coyle, Smith. And it, if they do use the fourth line, like, as a matchup line, then probably will be Bjork. Um, so I, I've got the same 12 as you. Um, then on the defense, th- this did actually kind of surprise me. I thought it was like a foregone conclusion that it was going to be Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy as the top pairing, and then they just fill in the blanks everywhere else. But right. so far, it's been McAvoy and Jeremy Lozon, uh, and then Brandon Carlo with Matt Grizzlick, and they've thrown a few different pairings together on the third unit. I think it's been John Moore with Clifton, which puts Miller 
with Zaboro. Um, thoughts on the defense? I I want Grizzlick on that top pairing. You know, he's he's quick. He can move the puck. And I just think Lazone, I just think that's it's gonna be weird because McAvoy played with um Chara for so long, but I just think that's too much size up front and not enough speed. Uh Lazone can obviously carry his own weight. He's not afraid to throw his body around, but you have Grizzlick, who's a very good puck mover and very smooth puck mover. And we saw that that was very much missed when he was gone for those four or five games in 2019 in the Stanley Cup final. So I think that's, I think that's where he should go. And then just, like you said, fill in the blanks. Like I just, that makes the most sense to me. I know I'm not the coach, but just seeing what we've seen from Grizzlick and McAvoy, and they have that familiarity with each other. I mean, BU and now the Bruins. So it, it, it just makes too much sense not to do it. And, it's not, it's not happening. Yeah. Well, I'm skeptical of leaning on Lozon to play like 22 minutes right off the jump, because that was a guy who's getting stapled to the bench and healthy scratched in the bubble. And yep. now he's in like, I don't know if it, they probably would shift things around, but like, I feel like the common denominator is in late game situations. If Lozon's been whatever, like Grizzly is going to end up there anyways, but the Bruins have been telling McAvoy for so long to shoot more. Yeah. And I don't really understand the incentive to put Jeremy Lozon, a fine enough puck mover, but certainly not Matt Grizzlick, on a pairing with McAvoy when you want him to shoot the puck more. Right. Uh, the idea I've talked myself into is putting Lozon with Connor Clifton. And that's because Bruce Cassidy talked about how he loved how Lozon – played with Grizzlick because Lozon's good at putting out fires as Cassidy put it where like Grizzlick could play pretty freely knowing that if the puck was coming the other way Lozon could move well enough to get back and you know defend the two-on-one or whatever who better to put out fires for than Connor Clifton if you want to talk about joining the rush so I kind of talked myself into the idea of like putting John Moore with Brandon Carlo and then Matt Grizzlick with Charlie McAvoy, and then you do Lozon and Clifton. Um, I guess I can see the allure of like a quote-unquote shutdown pairing with Lozon and uh, McAvoy or Carlo for that matter, but I just feel like there's a better allocation of resources there. Yeah, and I think too, like Miller, and you know, he's a big body too, and I know he hasn't played since 2019, but that's another big body guy that do you want him up front? Do you want him with somebody younger? You know, he does kind of provide that veteran presence, but I also don't, like you said with Lazone, I don't want Miller playing like 20 plus minutes a night. And then all of a sudden his kneecaps broken again, just because it was so much so quick. So they have a lot of options. They have a lot of, I mean, we've heard for years that they have this defensive depth and now we're finally going to see it. So it's going to be really interesting what Cassidy decides to do. And there's still a lot of big bodies. There's there are no six foot nines of Daniel Chara, but they are big people. They they throw their weight around. So I'm I'm excited to see what he does, but I'm also kind of nervous with that top pairing just because I've convinced myself that it should be McAvoy and Grizzlick. <laughs> it is funny that like Jeremy Lozon's as big as he is because every time I think that like Jeremy Lozon's just this massive dude, and he he looks massive. He's only like I say only. He's listed as six foot one, two oh four, um, and that that does not seem nearly as big as he actually is. No, um, and Cassie talks about his size all the time, and then right, it must be like six six, like at least. And then I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, it, it's like oh, oh. only six one. Only so it's only a foot taller than I am. Uh, do you want to hear my spicy take on the defense? Absolutely. Okay, since we're not in the office anymore, you don't get to hear my takes as often. True. Um, I think before the season is over, we get the Euro Vakanainen and Charlie McAvoy top pairing of the future. And apparently, Vakanainen's looked pretty good in camp. I mean, Cassidy was raving about him today. And like when they when you use a first round pick on a defenseman, usually you would like to think that their ceiling is top pairing. And so, you know, he's, he's entering year was it two professionally? Yeah, last year was his first full year. Um, as a pro, maybe this is the jump season. And if it is, you know, I, I liken it kind of to what Brandon Carlo did in 2016, 17, maybe you get something like that before the end of the year, their problems are solved because fucking nine improves. He's the top pairing left side guy of the future. That is, uh, that is spicy. How, yeah. Am I far off? <laughs> I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I would never, that probably wouldn't even cross my mind, but yeah. I mean, we have seen crazy things happen. So we, we have seen crazy things happen. All right. So before we get out of here, uh, there is a rumor, speaking of the left side of the defense, that Bruins are interested in Ben Hutton. Uh, if they want to bring the former Kings defenseman in, they've only got a few more days to do so. Uh, with the cap space they have, though, they definitely could do it. Um, you know, he's a fine enough left shot defenseman, uh, usually in the 15 to 20 point a year neighborhood type guy responsible enough in his own end basically I think he's 27 basically provides a you know a, I guess a, a safety net in case some of the youngsters work out worth a flyer yeah I think so um I don't see any issue why um just bring him in low risk high reward kind of thing um I know no one's looking to replace Chara no one's looking to replace that veteran presence and that leadership that he brought to the team but if he's gonna you know, if he can kind of just slide in there as a left shot defenseman, if he works out, awesome. If he doesn't, and some of the other young guys do, all right. We like we didn't really waste anything. Like it's it's it just makes too much sense. I think it's worth it, and it just gets them where they need to be at least for opening night. Right. It, it's tough because it's like, isn't that what John Moore's supposed to be? Like, I know he's not as strong of an offensive player, um, but I mean. I don't know. It, it doesn't hurt. It probably won't cost much. I, I'm a little annoyed now that the Bruins didn't go after Sammy Votnin because yeah. he, he was only, I thought he was going to get like three or four million. He only got two million. Uh, useful enough, you know, bottom four type defenseman. But I don't know. The Ben Hutton thing makes a little too much sense because if nothing else, it provides you with some stability. So we'll see. Um, any parting thoughts? Go Bruins. <laughs> Go Bruins. We, we will reconvene at some point next week. Um, Lauren, first star today on your debut appearance on the Ness and Bruins podcast. Um, we will, uh, let's see, we'll see you in about five, six days. I'll see you in like three minutes when we go into a meeting but yeah <laughs> well thanks for having me this is fun yeah we'll see you again soon again thanks as always for listening be sure to subscribe rate leave a review um, as long as you like us if you don't like us please don't but uh otherwise we'll see you next week on the Nessa Bruins podcast so long Bye.